0: But I'm going to quickly invite Agri, of course, he's here, so I can basically do it. I we show him some lovers coming. Oh. Yes, yeah, we have a mic for him as well. Uh, me and Agri have one thing in common. We both started going to flood from the first day we started. Pretty much. Yeah, and that's 2008. Eight, yeah, yeah 2008. and... Eight, and uh, I, I don't have too much for you, but I just have, I think, one question. And it goes like, tell us a little bit about yourself. And, yeah? You are in the oversight team. Yes. Uh huh. You're a single dude. Yes. Tell us what the oversight team is about and why you're in the oversight team and how that came to be. Okay.
1: So I was not expecting these <laughs> series of questions. I was expecting <laughs> questions, but. Um, so a bit about myself, I, oh, how far back should I go? Just a little, fun. you have like three minutes. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so, um, my name is Agri, born actually here in Atlanta in Queens, uh, uh, lived in longer most of my, uh, my entire life, uh, went to Bishop McKenzie, then comes the academy, and that's where I met uh, Pastor Sean Kampondemi and Humphreys. And Edith and that crew, um, so they would come as part of the navigator's team to the Academy for SCOM and yeah, because of that, uh, that's how I got, yeah, that's how I got introduced. Then over time when uh, Flood Belong was uh, opening, I actually used to go to uh, a CCB, which is where I've grown up. And then, as soon as the service is done, I'll then go to start church um, because of my parents' house and everything. And I did that for quite a bit. Um, okay, so yeah, so I did that for quite a bit. Went away to Australia to do my undergrad. Uh, came back in ooh, 2011. Yes, 2011, 12, yeah. somewhere there. Um, yeah, so I've been coming to Florida ever since the um, first day, went to the first Souls conference. And, huh, okay, good question. So I'm part of the oversight team. Yeah, what does that mean? So the oversight team really is uh, the team that works with the lead pastor in looking at the health of the church, looking at governance issues, uh, looking at the higher level admin stuff that the pastor. Uh, does day by day, but then you are not looking at this, like, where are we now, where are we hoping to go? Uh, Looking at your mission and your vision and your activities and planning out uh, different activities and the like. So, for example, the Soul Conference, uh, we will be part of the team just uh, way before, just to find out, like, what what has been planned, uh, what the themes are, Um, but then, like, everything else, like, the speakers and everything will be at Decided by pastor Humphreys or the staff team and the teaching team um, as well fantastic you guys have so many teams yes, yes. <laughs> one team, a of but um but i think my encouragement really on that is yeah it's not really about the numbers i think yeah. it's about and one thing when we talked last time that like one yeah. thing that kept sticking to mind is you don't need to have all the skills of a certain area to actually serve. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, I think for me, the big struggle actually, uh, when I was actually asked to be part of the oversight team, was like, why are you asking me? As you mentioned, I'm a single guy. Most churches do not have single men um, in the larger leadership circles. Um, part of the elders, business. Yes, you know, part of the elders. Part of the elders, yeah. uh, I'm a single guy um, I don't have a background in theology um, I you know I've grown up in a Presbyterian church and not however on a brand flood I yeah like there were, there were so many things that I personally felt that I did not meet um, but then again like through the uh, evaluation form and the questions that you answer as part of that, I realized that, okay, it's just me serving um, and asking Pastor Humphrey's questions when they're having oversight teams, uh, meetings, raising up points uh, from my perspective. So, for example, uh, the Hulu Festival that you might hear about, like, I've largely worked with Pastor Humphrey's on that when uh, Shio Baraka came. So, like, the big events, I've tended to help a bit more on that side um, and then somebody else is working on another area Uh, we now have someone who's got a background in hr who's helping us with hr policies so yeah um really it's just who you are as an individual every day just working with the church and helping the church and in its missions without worrying too much about my background in theology and all the other prequests we put on ourselves. Amen to that. Well, mm-hmm. Amen
0: to that. So uh, uh, the last thing. Yeah. Just encourage someone who's like, I'm not sure if I can serve in the church or a pastor and pastor. An and say, Hey, can you serve? <laughs> what shall I say? No, Jesus. <laughs> <isn't it? Okay. laughs>
1: Just speak to that. Um. So I'll speak to that person with an example that uh, from personal experience. Yeah. Um. So when we're doing the first of food was like at a parking lot by a shopping center. 200 people came, that was fine. Yeah. Uh, the next year we did it at um, a car park by what oh. we, by Bowie. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, this is fine. Like, and I wasn't really involved in that. I was a bit uncomfortable with being in Bowie because normally that's a big drinking area. So kind of think of Baramba, but with a larger, massive oh, yeah. parking space. Yeah. Um, and then... We then did it at Civil Stadium, and then Pastor Humphreys came and was like, yeah, I agree. Um, I'm asking you, I'm, I want you to do the stage management for a uh, full festival. Uh, I'm, yeah. And the task was basically to coordinate some 24 artists over the space of eight hours to perform on time. And I was like, dude, what, 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 what do you mean me? I don't know any artists. I don't know any of their managers. I don't know any of the people. I don't know. Like, there were so many things. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing that he kept saying is like, yeah, but you're the only person in terms of time who can keep us in time in check. I was like, yeah, but you see, that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> it was still largely uncomfortable because... Again, like, I've worked with, you know, the balancing act always for a full festival is giving each artist their space to perform and to show yeah. their creative skills, yeah. but then to manage the performance so that the last person is not performing in pitch black, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, because of lighting. Yeah. Um, but eventually I was just like, okay, fine, like, if you say so, yeah. um, I can't run away despite yeah. wanting to. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And Really, I think it's just as I said, like, don't really look at the skills that you think you need to have to be in that position. Yeah, uh, but look at what look at why you're being asked because it's probably something that people have seen in you yeah. that you might have not seen in yourself, wow. yeah. or or you probably downplay it heavily <coughs> than you actually think. Um, and I know for me that's a huge challenge. No matter what I get asked to do, I'm like, no, I'm the wrong person for that yeah. um, every time. Um, but yeah, that would be a huge encouragement that don't, don't think, I mean, if you're going to be part of the leadership or the oversight or team of elders, yeah. um, don't really think, as I said, of background in theology and this and the other, because at the end of the day, the church is also an organization that has obligations it needs to meet. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, for one reason, like, if, is, do we have anyone in HR here? HR people? Anyone in yeah. HR? Yeah, it's just... We, we don't. are we missionaries. Okay. But, <laughs> but for some reason I kept thinking, like, the impression of someone in HR, of, yeah. or a need of HR being here. Yeah. So, if you have done something in HR, if you've helped out, like, just come in and help um, and offer your services. Even if you don't have the HR degree, so to speak, Yeah. but if you know how to set HR policies in place in the Malawian context, yeah. that is something that is very crucial and very helpful. And it goes in regards to everything. So even like with Emma, who's looking for people to help in the media team. Yeah. Media can be my dear friend sitting at the table doing the PowerPoint. I have done that. Um, as well so and then yeah just step up on the one hand just uh step up to what you're being called to because there's probably something that they've seen that you don't see personally yeah um but then also it's not always about the perfect fit of the skills and of who you are Um, i mean i am a huge anomaly because when i got appointed i was also under 30 you know yeah and i've been on the team yes. now for okay. yeah it's just like all the things that should be right. as a person in leadership right. i was not that right. yeah show some laughter just take your
0: man i want to quickly trade jesus uh may you uh keep using uh your your brother, um, your son, Andrew, uh, to love and to serve well. May you meet his needs according to your riches for the sake of your name. Amen. Sharing some one more time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited today, as I I mentioned earlier. Yeah, let's just do that. I'm gonna need that uh, mic in a little bit, but. We are starting a series next week uh, from the book of Joshua. I'm really excited. Hi, Joshua. Good to see you. Uh, we're studying a book from the book of Joshua, and it's gonna uh, it's gonna be very important if you can make it to that. Not simply uh, because it's it's the Bible, this God's word, but we're gonna really wrestle with some hard questions we're going to wrestle with what we actually go through every other day. And I want you to, to have space to wrestle with that. I want you to wrestle with what God is saying in life and what God is inviting me to. Uh, we're going to talk about just doing life through the struggles of life. And as we're talking about that, um, this morning I want to talk about uh, one of our core values. Uh, the reason why we exist. A core value for me. It's something I'm willing to die for. And this is Come As You Are. And you're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. Uh, and you're going to be in Luke chapter 5. We'll a little bit later as well. Uh, but this week, I was reminded of a couple of things. My, my family is here. I love them. And we came to support one of our young brothers who was getting married yesterday. Uh, he's actually left back. Uh, he stays in the UK. So his little... Niece probably left now Um, but it was an amazing time we enjoyed uh, the wedding and at the very end i got a call that one of my cousins who was at the wedding was involved in an accident so i had to go and meet my friend um, who was coming from dropping a friend uh, who was at the wedding and on these way by the Kamba road, uh, as you're going to Kuya, a kid moved from his land and went to his land and smashed it. Now that was horrible. But I was reminded of the brokenness in the world. And I'll explain in a little bit what I mean. You know, you're broken. Wow. You know what? And you know that things you can have Actually, fix, but you can try to fix. Um, you can come up with other ways, you can push your way through. But you know to some extent that things about you that are actually broken and you actually walk with that brokenness wherever you go. So if it's at work, the reason you don't like people at work is because they broke their brokenness prop- to. And you've brought yours. And I've looked for a perfect church. And every time I would step into that church, it would cease to be perfect. Because I took my brokenness to that church. So as we are speaking about the brokenness that you and me carry. I want you to know that Jesus wants you to bring your brokenness to. And when you do that he wants you to bring the brokenness of others to him now if I was trying to be quiet say Jesus wants to bring your junk to him and he wants you to bring your friends junk to him and I'll explain that in a little bit but our brokenness follows us to places it follows us into our marriages hello if you are a leader and you're a toxic leader, it's just proof that it has followed you into your leadership. Yeah. Uh, some of us has followed us into our tempers, into how we use our money. And a lot of us we have really terrible toxic ways of using money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that brokenness follows us. It follows us to the different places, it follows us to the spaces sometimes that we're not really comfortable with. So you know what we do? We hide that person. Like right now, hey, yeah, I love you. But right now, some, some of us, we might be hiding some things. And the way we hide sometimes is simple and it looks so normal. It can be spending so much time in the mirror to cover whatever you need to cover because deep down you don't feel you are good enough. Or not caring about people. Or not wanting to live and do life with people. We hide. We hide. We hide our shame. We hide our fear. And what happens over time is When we are hiding, we wear out. Hiding wears us out. That is so tiring. Because you're not being yourself. You're not truly being who God made you to be. You're hiding. You're being something else. And being something else sucks all the time. Like being something that you're not is painful. I even say uh, for, for married friends that... Wanting your spouse to be like you. Ends up draining her. Because she's not or him. Because they're not being there so themselves. So where you are thinking everything is going well. Another day you just go up. go Get up and she's like man I'm not good. Or he's not good. And you're like but we've been fine. You've been fine. Forcing her. Forcing him. Being you. And just worn them out. Just worn them out. So it, it gets so tiring. Now, the story I was sharing about the accident. When I got to the place and started to get everyone, planning to get people to the hospital, the guy that hit them ran away. Got out of the cuff and just ran. A few, like an hour later, because I was waiting for the police. To come. This guy shows up. Like, kid is drunk. He's probably 26, 27. And they just start talking. I was like, oh, snap. I was calling my friend, who told me he had money. So he agreed to take me out. I was fixing this guy. I was in the bar. He took my keys. I thought he was picking up something in a car. He jumped in the car, drove it. This guy doesn't even have a license. And he went to hit my cousin. So this kid is super drunk. He has no idea what just happened. And he comes face to face with a car that was in an accident and he's fixed it. It's now working perfectly. He's called the owner. Long when the owner is getting the car this morning. Brokenness. And literally when he started talking he just fainted. Now I'm like, okay, what do I do with this guy? <laughs> then what do I do with these cars? Where are the police? Who should I? When should I take these guys to the hospital? Because they need to be checked. And caught some guys, some security company. They brought their people so that they could stay there. The police officer showed up. I was like, hey, I'm gonna take these guys to the hospital. They're gonna ask for police statement. I'm gonna say I don't have one. I'm gonna get this best to So I go to Queens. This is like 1.30 a.m. And uh, my cousin and this girl and their friend, their BPs are just everywhere. They're not doing well. And then the security guard calls me. i like, do. another car just hit us. And I'm like, it doesn't get better, that. <laughs> like sometimes when life wants to break you, it just breaks you. Breaks you. And when it breaks you, sometimes you want to hide. By hiding where you are. Hiding will break you. Hiding will finish you. And as we're going to see in a little bit in Scripture, in Matthew, is that Jesus says, Matthew 11, verse 20, 28, Jesus says this Come to me, all who labor and are weary, are tired, are burdened, are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, all who labour, weary and are heavy laden. Now remember how I said brokenness follows you, right? So this morning I I got up. So I went home around 2.30, 2.45. Then I get another call in the morning. That they're just these other guys that have showed up, claiming to know about the car. So they're causing a pain, like they're causing fights on the scene. And I'm like, dude, I have to go to church and set up. But this guy, his friends have showed up, they wanna intimidate these guys. So I show up here, we do the thing we're supposed to do, and I go there. By the time I'm getting there, the police had already showed up because we made some calls and they arrested the guys. So the guys, as I'm speaking right now, the guys are in police cell. I'm like, how does a day end like that? How does a weekend just tend to be something like that? Because people are broken. And we love to hide our brokenness. And when we hide it, it wears us out when it wears us out, it wears the people around us out. So the things you use to hide, whether it's alcohol, whether it's just selfishness, whether it's just pen meds, or whatever it is, I want you to know that, that that is not good enough. So I'm going to read that verse again. Jesus says, Come to me, O who if you're tired, if you're working, if you're weary, if you're the place where you, your brokenness is breaking you and is causing you to be tired, Jesus is like, you are the right person to come to me. Jesus is like, you are the one who should come to me. Jesus is like, I want you to come to me. But you know, we love to have We love to have So this is what we're saying. Jesus invites us at our where, at our brokenness. Jesus does not want you to fix your life to come to him. Jesus wants you to come to him the way you are. And somehow we, we convince ourselves that when we hide our sin, when we hide our brokenness, Maybe God will love us a little bit more. Maybe God will think like, he's better now, let me use him. Maybe God will look at us and go like, that's my man, that's my boy, that's my son, that's my child. I'm proud of him. And Jesus doesn't say, go fix your life and come to me. And I'll give you some some kind of cool plan. A 10 steps plan to be your best self." Wow. Jesus says, no, 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 come to me with that brokenness, with that pain, with that frustration, with that hiding, and I will give you what? Rest. So where do we get this idea of God wants a vision that we have fabricated instead of our real us? Where do we get that? That is not from God. That is not from His word. In other words, God is saying, come with your weariness. Come with your weaknesses. He disarms our fears by showing us His mercy. His mercy says, you messed up. I paid for it. His grace says, I'm giving you something better than you deserve. Just like that. Jesus wants you to come to Him the way you truly are. So so I'm going to say it this way. To truly meet Jesus and be changed by him, we must fully come as we are.
1: To truly
0: meet Jesus and be changed by Jesus, we must truly and fully come exactly as we are. Not as a vision we need to convince God we are or we should be. Because Jesus is the only one that does not avoid your burdens. Jesus is the one that truly carries your burdens. And that should fully discern any reason you have for not wanting to come to Jesus. So when we are saying that Jesus gives us rest, what do we mean? <laughs> Jesus gives us rest from covering up. A lot of us are just so tired because we, we're covering up stuff we've done. Stuff we've been through, we're just covering it up. Jesus is like, no, no, come to me. Give me that burden. Yeah, give me that shame. Because Sam says, what? There's something wrong with me. Judith says, I have done something wrong. So Jesus is like, no, no, bring all that to me. Because I want to free you up. From looking like you have everything together. Because I'm the one who truly holds all things together. It's like, let's transact. Give me your burden. Give me your surrender and stop covering up because i'm the one who truly holds all things together hold your money together hold your future together hold your relationships together Hold your in-laws together hello
1: <laughs>
0: holds all things together and jesus is like come on give me that give me that give me that and okay and we, we normally get stuck Because some of us when we start digging there's more to why we don't wanna surrender to Jesus surrender to what he's inviting us to surrender to the beauty of what he's inviting us to to the point that we're so blinded that we still believe what we have and what we can create is better than what Jesus can give us so a lot of us we're sitting there then a lot of us when we dig a little bit deeper We've been hurt, come on. By people we trust and love. So we're not sure if we should love and trust God fully or keep a 45% just in charge. So just in case God doesn't show up, my daddy, my mommy, my boy, my hubby, my boo will show up. So Jesus says, come, come to me. Like, no. With this? Yeah come to me. to me with with my addiction yeah,
1: yeah
0: come to me with my lies what if people really know who i am i'll close that instagram account to come to me jesus you're sure do you know what i've been through do you know what i've done come to me why because i will give you Rest from the shame coming from that brokenness. I'll give you rest from the fear coming from that brokenness. I'll give you rest from the complicated lies you have created and fabricated about your life. I'll give you rest from that. So come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you're tired. One of the other... Favorite things is Jesus gives us rest from the consequences of our sins. Because he fully paid it off. He didn't pay some. He paid off. He didn't pay some of the things. He paid everything. So that you can fully find your identity, your life, your whole being in Jesus. Not in something you can fabricate and come up with from fear and my favorite one from rejections one of the worst painful things in life is to be rejected I don't care who's rejecting you but it sucks some of you have been rejected by people you love your parents come on And that rejection was subtle, but it settled in our hearts. And something I said when we were kids, we've grown up with it. Some of us, it was that abusive boyfriend, come on, that abusive girlfriend. She said something, he said something. And what actually motivates us today is a pile of things we have covered up that pain. So, when we start digging and wrapping, we find out what actually is motivating us is the pen of rejection. But we've just covered it up by working extra hard, making some more money, and taking so much pictures so they know your life is right and you're having fun. And like you got everything together. And yeah. Yeah. So, you're just doing a lot of things. But when we start unwrapping that, we'll find that at the core, of you being is just a kid trying to prove to a parent that I matter that I ended up being better than what you thought I was gonna be. Then this life is something more than achieving a purple. And a lot of us we still caught up in those places and, and we live our lives Running away from rejection. And I love Romans 8. Because he doesn't even use the word rejection. It actually just goes to one of the things that happens when we are feeling rejected. Because rejection comes with condemnation. So Romans 8 just goes straight to that and says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Not because you're good, but because of what Jesus has published. And that makes you something better than what you can work hard for yourself to become. So God says, come to me. Because what you bring to the table, what your church brings to the table is not enough. And then there's another passage in in the Bible. In Luke chapter 5. That Jesus just invites us to say, hey, I want you to bring your brokenness to me. But I want you to bring the broken friends you have to me. And this is how the story goes. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. (laughs) Who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea, from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal and behold, some men were bringing a man who was paralyzed and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him, they decided to knock and to send an email. And then when that didn't work out, they like sent a WhatsApp message and they made that Facebook call. The message call, it was not working and they're like, man, what are we going to do? Because the crowd is really, really huge. So they decided to do something that was crazy. That's something that was insane. So they went <coughs> up on the roof of blood church. And they let their friend down with his bed through the and into the mist before Jesus. Who, who were with the teachings and the Pharisees and was teaching. And when he saw their faith. He said, "Do your sins are forgiven. And the scribes were like, no way! This is and Jesus. Prove that there was a one who can truly forgive sin. Can you go to the next slide, please? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he asked them, why do you question in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven? You, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth earth to forgive sins. Some of us, we need to hear that. Jesus has authority to forgive sins. Even when your best friend can still forgive that mess you caused. Jesus has authority to forgive your sins. Even when you can forgive yourself. (laughs) Jesus has authority to forgive your sins. Even when you're not sure if that person deserves forgiveness. Jesus has authority to even forgive them. Then he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, man, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. He threw a party after the flood church and an amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with hope saying we have seen extraordinary things today. Thanks for serving that thing. Um, we have seen extraordinary things today. Jesus does not only want us to bring our junk, our brokenness to him, our weariness to him, but he wants us to bring our friends that are broken to him. Jesus invites us to invite others to the rest that only he can provide. Now I want you to notice the main thing they did was they ignored the distractions and brought their friend to Jesus. Someone asked you, what does this passage mean? That's it. A bunch of dudes ignored all the distractions and brought their friend to Jesus. Distractions, what do we mean? You know how churches work, right? If you can't bring your friends if they are high, to church, so when are we gonna bring them when they are never sober?
1: <laughs>
0: Come on now, that's that's the reality. I have those friends. I don't know you guys. <laughs> How are you gonna bring them, man? They're always high. They're always on drugs. When when like no, but she can't wear like that when she comes to church. Okay. Did God say that? No, it's just culturally uncomfortable. Okay. So you're going to deny a human from encountering God and His grace and His forgiveness simply because they didn't wear what you command your kids to wear?
1: Okay.
0: You have no idea what they wear when you're not there. <laughs> Distractions are rules set by church or society or own fears. Pastor, you can go to a party where people are enjoying booze. Say that to Jesus. A <laughs> pastor can go to Lake of Stars.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, no, you're thinking that. He's <laughs> going again. Like, dude, heaven is a party. I'm practicing. <laughs> I'm practicing. now i started saying these things because they feel like ah those are obvious but i want you to think we're in this church and it's packed and some people start destroying the roof so they can bring their friend isn't that a huge inconvenience isn't like dude just come another day can't you just figure that out don't you think there's another way we can figure out how to take Jesus out of there and bring him to our friend? Like we, we forget that this was not a small thing. And for me I always think about the dude that's on the mat, on the bed. Like bro, we're going to take you up and we're going to take you down. Like, no, man, I don't have that much trust in you guys. Like, I should surrender everything I have to you guys, and you guys will take me up and put me down. But you know one thing that, that reminds me is, some of us, we are friends. They can't even have the courage to come to church. They don't even have the audacity to think about God. Because life has just broken them life has just messed them so bad they cannot get up like no i don't have sick friends i don't have broken friends (coughs) the bible is so clear in the invitation that it gives us here that when it's about jesus when we're bringing people to him He will give them freedom and set them free. But when we make that process about what we want, what they should wear, how they should look, we completely miss what Jesus wants to do. Because Jesus here did not ask for an appointment. Jesus did not say, hey, this is not the best way to bring someone to me. I can actually just walk, and maybe my shadow, like Paul, it will heal that person. No, no, Jesus did not throw any of those things. When Jesus... So that they brought someone there. He used that as a teachable moment. Because there were people from church. The Pharisees. The Sadducees, People that knew the law. People that knew the Bible. What was flying in their heads? Like no, that's not how we do church. That's not how we do outreach. That's not how we bring glory to God. That's not how. That's not how. That's not how. But what those dudes had in mind was like our friend is sick. Our friend is dying. We're going to do whatever it takes to bring them to Jesus. Jesus not only wants your brokenness to come to him, he wants your friends who are broken to come to him. And that is just crazy. Because when we start thinking that way, then everyone, even a guy, that God arrested today from hitting us yesterday deserves to have a conversation about Jesus and life. Even the guy that he's so tipsy like he is so tipsy he cannot get where he needs to get but by the grace of God he gets up tomorrow and is on. Even that friend, even that dude deserves to know and come to Jesus. Even that plan. So my question is, how are you coming to God? And who are you bringing? Are you coming to God as someone who has everything figured out and you are coming before God like, hey God, look at me. I'm good. I have this. Things are great. Don't you love me? Or you're coming to God with acceptance of what Jesus has done for you. So you live in the confidence of what Christ has done, not in the confidence of what your flesh can fabricate. How are you coming to God? And who are you bringing to God? And how are you bringing them to God? Because this was no Bible study. <laughs> this was unusual ways. Because, you know, the easiest things that we can do as Christians is invite our friends to a Bible study, right? Yeah, come to our mulaqa, come to our event, come to this. These guys went, grabbed their friend, and brought them to Jesus. So who are you bringing to Jesus? And how are you bringing that friend to Jesus? Because this is assurance, when you bring your friends to Jesus in prayer, Jesus will not even know your humility and courage to bring them to the cross. Jesus will look at that and say get up, rise walk get up, rise and walk At the core of who we are, we are broken people But Jesus has fully Restored Jesus has healing, Jesus has peace Jesus brings joy And that completely changes us That completely changes us So in a little bit I'm going to Get to talk to my friend John But I'm going to give it A few minutes Before we do that and I'm gonna invite Pastor Humphries, and with Pastor Humphries, we're gonna do a song um, called "Here's My Heart." Speak what is true, and and as we're doing this song, I want you to be thinking about the areas that are broken in your life that we need to bring to Jesus. Yo, the areas that are broken in our life that we need to bring to the grace that our Lord Jesus Christ has given us. And the reality is, Jesus looks at you truly, fully, the way you are. And he wants you to come to him fully, truly, the way you are. And in that way, he will give you healing and he will give you grace. So what's broken that you need to bring to Jesus? Jesus and who's broken around you, that you need to bring them to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. It it, it come down in here. Pastor Han. So so just sit down, and we're going to prayerfully do this song. Then I'm going to invite Zell, John, and Andy uh, to come to the front, to just uh, chat with us for five to ten minutes, and then we're going to pray again. If you can just open your hands towards heaven, trust the Lord, to bring healing where you're broken, to bring deliverance where you're covering things up, and to bring joy and peace where you are tired. looks at you and he delights in you. God wants to have (laughs) an incredible intimate relationship with you. God wants you to experience joy because in him there is joy. God wants you to experience peace because in him there is peace. God wants you to experience freedom. Yes. Not in just some areas but in all areas because in Jesus you have been free. And he says, you are free indeed. In Jesus' life. In Jesus is a solid rock. All the ground is sinking sand. That's what's true about you. What's true about you is that your Savior is coming again. Your Savior fully knows you and is giving you His spirit. The spirit that resurrected Him from the dead is there for you. <laughs> and oh, what a lifetime you have to spend knowing what that even means. God wants you to come to Him the way you truly are, because that's where He fully, truly wants to meet you. So I'm going to invite John and Andy. These are my friends. These are part of our leadership team. I'm going to just keep playing a little bit down. Um, and I'm going to ask them two questions as we're about to wrap up. And...